want you to think for a moment, right now, for where you're at, at this particular point in your life, where are the strongest emotions in your heart? Where do you feel the greatest joy or anxiety, anticipation, regret? Where are the strongest feelings right now? They don't have to be enormous, but if you were going to tick off your top five, what is it that's causing those feelings? For some of you, judging by looking around the room, it's the bears. <laughs> Understandably so. I have a 6 p.m. mass tonight. I have some strong feelings about that. <laughs> I'm mentioning this, however, because I'd like to suggest to you and to myself that wherever it is that those strongest feelings are, that's your version of what we celebrate today. That's your epiphany. And it's a huge mistake, I think, and I say this with deep reverence, but I think it's a huge mistake if we think of celebrating the Feast of the Epiphany simply as thinking about, gosh, wasn't that great those magi came and saw Jesus? Or in Luke's version, we think about the angels saying to the shepherds, go and see this kid in the manger with his mother. We're not just rehearsing what happened 2,000 years ago. And the reason I'm saying that is if you look at the way Matthew unfolds his narrative, it isn't really about the fact that Jesus is there in the manger. That's obviously the center of the story. But the Feast of the Epiphany is about the fact that Jesus is this kind of spiritual Rorschach test. And what we're really invited to think about is each person's reaction to his presence. And just think of how those reactions vary, right? Be very easy for Matthew or Luke simply to say, and there Jesus was, and, and wasn't that great, and let's move on. But think about the Magi. They notice something. Yeah, they notice the star, fair enough. But what's the feeling that comes up for them? It's curiosity, it's anticipation. They want to somehow lavish praise upon this good news. And it's strong enough that it draws them. What's Herod's reaction as he hears about it? It's not immediately this kind of murderous rage. We know it leads to that. But initially, as Matthew says, Herod is troubled. And let's cut Herod some slack. It's not just Herod who's troubled. It's Herod and all the people of Jerusalem, Matthew says. As they're getting closer to the presence of Jesus, what's coming up in their heart? trouble, anxiety, fear, worry, uncertainty. If there really is a new king, what's that going to mean for my lives, for the lives of the people that I love? Think in Luke's version of the shepherds, as they're told that they're getting closer to the presence of Jesus, the angels say, go and see. They're moved enough to get up and seek, and they're overjoyed, and they want to see this kid, and they want to be with this family. What we're invited to pay attention to is the feeling in their hearts. How do you react when you're in the presence of God? Because it's impossible to sit in the presence of God and just be in neutral gear. If there's one golden truth in the spiritual life, it's that one. It's impossible to encounter God and just be blasé. Some people say, I, I can't name my emotions. I'm not, I'm not one of those emotion people. I don't know what I'm feeling. And I always like to ask him, are you annoyed that I'm forcing you to answer this question? Yeah. Well, you name your emotions just fine. If you want to haul off and slug me, that's a strong emotion. 
All that emotion really has to mean is, am I drawn to this or am I repelled? Do I want to know more or do I want to know less? Am I engaged or do I not care? But every single one of those is a reaction. And the way we recognize how close we are to God, are we drawn, are we repelled, do we want to know more, do we want to know less? What that registers for us in our hearts when we're not thinking about Jesus in a manger and Christmas time and all that, what it looks like for us is what it looked like for the Magi and for Herod. It's what are those emotions that stir up inside of you? And here's what I mean. Maybe for you at the top of your top five list, it's anger. You might not be happy about that. You might not be proud about it. But if you're brutally honest, maybe there is some anger in your heart. Maybe it's in regard to a relationship or some situation in your life. Why do I say that's an epiphany about the presence of God? I say it because as you're getting closer to God, what's the invitation? The invitation is to calm or forgiveness. And maybe for you, the anger is around someone who's hurt you. And maybe offering forgiveness is the last thing in the world that you want to do. Well, that anger is valuable. It's not valuable because you want to foster it. It's not valuable because God is happy that we're angry. But it can be incredibly valuable if we pay attention to it, if we see it as our epiphany, if that anger for you is the star in the sky. Because if we pay attention to it, then it's a way of saying, all right, God must be here somewhere. There must be a gnawing invitation that won't go away to extend or receive forgiveness. Maybe there's anxiety or fear in your heart. Well, what's that about? It doesn't just come up generically. What's the situation? What's the relationship? What's the condition that that anxiety is growing out of? Why is that an epiphany? Because God doesn't want us to have anxiety. God never gives us anxiety. We feel it. It's a very human emotion. But it's not coming out of God's desire for us. And so again, that can be valuable, saying, all right, God is near somewhere, and I'm stepping back. And a lot of times, anxiety grows out of a lack of trust. or We've been hurt in the past, and we don't want to be hurt again. And so there's some unhealed wound or hurt in our own hearts. The anxiety is an epiphany, because it's saying, as I get closer to that offer of healing trust, if I'm really going to listen and believe what God is saying, that even though the external world might not change, I don't have to be governed by the fear. I'm not defined by my limitations. The anxiety that I feel when I say, I don't want to hear that, I don't trust it, I don't believe it. It's a way of saying, the stronger that feeling is, the closer you're getting to this gnawing reality that refuses to go away. And there, we're a lot closer than we realize. So what do we do from those feelings? And they can be joyful, too, deep gratitude. Well, wonderful, keep doing that. Keep going in that direction. All the holiday joy we sometimes feel, why does it go away when you toss the Christmas tree out on the curb? Keep pursuing whatever it was that led to that. I'm sure we still have some college kids in the church today. Maybe you're getting ready to go back home. What were you feeling when you came back from school? Maybe especially if this was your first time away. To the parents, the siblings, what did you feel when they came back? And what's in your heart now as you prepare to say goodbye? 
Those feelings are golden and they're epiphany moments. But every man, woman, and child in this room has something stirring up in their hearts. And if you want to turn that strong emotion into a greater closeness with the Lord, you've got to name it. And that's what Matthew does for us. He names it. He tells us this is what was stirring in the hearts of the Magi and this is what they did. And when they were in the presence of Herod, a different feeling came up for them. And yes, we're told, God told them in a dream, go back another way. But a lot of times we have that same feeling. It doesn't necessarily look like a dream. But we can't kid ourselves. We know when we're resisting that presence of Christ, that invitation to forgiveness, that call to go more deeply into a challenging relationship. We know when we're doing that, when we hear the voice of Herod saying, no, 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 no. You don't want to trust this. Shut it down. Close it off. Sometimes even cut it off and kill it at its root. And if we're honest, we feel something stirring in our hearts that says, no, this is taking a step away from the manger. This is covering my eye from the star. We can't BS ourselves, no matter how hard we try. So, if you're not quite sure what your Feast of the Epiphany looks like, just start with what you do notice. Start with your top five list. Where are the strongest feelings or emotions in your heart today? And I'm not joking, even if it is the bears, there's something there which says, I'm anticipating some enjoyment. I'm anticipating some entertainment. Maybe you're going to get together with friends or whatever. Well, long after the bears obliterate the eagles, you can still be there with your friends, you know? You can still gather them together. The salsa and the dip is not going away. Why is it that we need these external prompts sometimes to create a lasting joy? Those epiphanies are real and don't water them down. And just like the wise men and just like the shepherds and even just like Herod, honor those feelings as much as they did.